Hello and welcome to another episode of the Barefoot Mediator podcast, news and views from Jane Gunn and guests. In this episode, I speak with Dr. Graham Codrington, who is a futurist, scenario planner and expert on the future of work. He helps companies around the world understand the forces that are shaping our lives, including COVID and other disruptive trends that will define the rest of the 2020s. And how we can set ourselves up for success in the crazy, chaotic world that we are in. So welcome, uh, Dr. Graham Codrington. Uh, It's great to be chatting to you, Jane. So Graham, we've known each other for many years through PSA, the Professional Speaking Association, and well, well, you can tell me how you like to be described. You, you've been described as a futurist, an unlearner and an expert on disruption. So that seems to fit very well with all the sort of things we're going through in the in the times we're living in. Yeah, I've, I've been doing what I do for 20 years. Prior to that, I was actually a chartered accountant, as it happens, and ah. worked in the IT sector for a little bit, uh, but then just got really interested in the intersection between technology, disruptive change, and leadership, and have spent the last 20 years uh, with um, my colleagues in a company called Tomorrow Today Global uh, doing exactly that, helping leaders and their teams to anticipate disruptive change and uh, prepare for it to today. And uh, it's interesting, uh, in the last uh, year during COVID, I've been quite busy, obviously. I I, I think the themes I talk about have been uh, useful and helpful to people. But I think a lot of people think I've done that, that I I hate the word, but uh, people understand it. They think I've pivoted uh, to dealing with disruption because of all the disruption. Um, In fact, it's it's the opposite. I'm, I'm finally finding audiences who understand what I'm talking about. Oh, that's fascinating. And, you know, similar for me in, in the world of conflict resolution, too. You know, suddenly people are experiencing a lot of conflict and anxiety and, and finding they're turning to me. So that's interesting. Um, so what are you finding, Graham, other other key themes for your clients? What are the things that they're really needing help with to, today? I think there's probably three levels at which uh, people are in are, are engaging. There's first of all, there's the crisis management stuff. You know, if you're a hotel or an airline or something, and you were hit with lockdown uh, in in early 2020, you go into to crisis response mode. That's not really my space to to play in. I, I want to deal with people after the next stage, which is to say, okay, we we've got over the crisis phase, but now we've realized that it, it's not business as, as usual anymore, and we've got to do things differently. And what what does that actually mean? And of course, there's all sorts of buzzwords that go around, you know, agility, flexibility, responsiveness, innovation. Uh, But for many, many people, those are just that, they're buzzwords. And so you know what they are, you know what the dictionary definition is, you you know you should be doing them. But now you're confronted with the reality of the world that you've actually got to deliver now. You can't just put it on an agenda for Mm -hmm. a meeting or you can't just pretend you're doing it, you actually have to deliver. And that's really been the heart of the work I've been doing for 20 years. The third level is when people have kind of said, okay, uh, we're dealing with the disruption now, but 
what might be the lasting legacy of this disruption? You know, five years, 10 years from now, when we look back on COVID, you know, when Facebook gives us all of a, where were you six years ago? I, <laughs> I know. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have a hundred straight days of Facebook memories of us in our, in our <laughs> living room. Um, <laughs> um, well, assuming we took photographs of that, I'm sure we didn't. Um, but people are beginning to think about, is there anything I can do now during the disrupted time? So I've been forced to be disrupted. Mm. It wasn't, wasn't my choice, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm doing it. You know, it might not be my favorite time ever of my life, but I'm actually reasonably impressed with myself and my team as to what we've been able to do. But if we lift our eyes a little bit to the horizon, maybe we can learn some stuff while we're in this disrupted state that will hold us in good stead for future disruptions. And when you begin to realize that maybe we're going to live in the state of disruption for a long time because we've got digital transformation and climate change and geopolitical shifts all still ahead of us in this decade, uh, that becomes, I think, a very clever and interesting question to ask. How do I learn to handle disruption better yeah. uh, now so that I am a lot more confident and competent uh, in the rest of this decade? And that's kind of what I'm helping my clients with. And what are the levels or the layers of that, Graham? I mean, there must be things about uh, psychological you know, mindset. There must be things about skills. There must be things about how do you manage teams? Do you see different, different levels of, of managing that disruptive state? Absolutely. It, it's at every level. I mean, and, and if you think about uh, the, the obvious way to start, you think about yourself first mm -hmm. um, and, and the self. How am I uh, dealing with disruption? Uh, and then you move out to what's going on with my team. And you might think of your family first before your team, but let, you know, let, let me talk about what I do professionally in terms of helping organizations. So you think about your team, then you think about your business and the industry that you're in. You might then go out to your country or region. And then I think uh, what this uh, crisis has done is reminded us that the world itself is just a, a single massive integrated system. And what happens on the far side of the world uh, impacts us. Um, yeah. You know, I, Brexit is not only a, a British European issue, it affects many, many uh, people and companies all around the world. So too, who the President of the United States is. Um, mm -hmm. So too, a little disease that nobody's ever heard of in a place called Wuhan in China mm -hmm. um, suddenly becomes a, a global issue. So part of this, and, and this is part of why it's been so overwhelming for many people is you've in, in, in 2020 and, and into 2021, we're having to deal with all of those levels of disruption simultaneously. Yeah. Um, in the past, you've been able to hold one or two others at arm's length. You, you might have been going through a personal disruption in your personal life, and then you could just sort of soft pedal at, at work for a while and, 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 and deal with your personal stuff. Now, all of it's hitting us all at the time. You're disrupted at work, but your kids are home and, and homeschooling and you, uh, you can't see your family who desperately need you and your aging parents. And, you, you know, it's, it's, for many people, it's, it's become a little bit overwhelming. And so the, the lessons uh, and the skills that, that we teach uh, as a team, um, I think people have applied it at multiple levels, even to, to their families and 
and that I, I, I think you've probably experienced similar things uh, that that people who might have thought mediation and conflict resolution is is something for lawyers and senior counsel that you now might need it between you and your spouse because <laughs> Absolutely, you're yeah. inhabiting a space you haven't inhabited before. One of the first articles I wrote was uh, I married you for life and not for lunch because <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely title. <laughs> That's what we're all finding, you know, suddenly we've got to live with the spouse for nine months in a row, a day in, exactly. day out. So, and we, so, and it's interesting, I think my perspective is the same as yours, that we're not, we're not going to return to normal. We're not in a sort of bubble that we're going to burst out of. This is actually, we're in a state of disruption. And one of the things I look at, and you may too, Graham, is the sense that we've come through if we remember revolutions before, you know, we look back to the industrial revolution and then we might say we've been through an IT revolution and so on or evolution, but whatever, we're probably going through a similar evolution now to a different way of living and working that we have to come to terms with and make the best of. Mm. Look, some things are going to snap back quite quickly. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I do remember having a laugh uh, at Christmas time when uh, I'm, I'm based out of Johannesburg in, in South Africa, but we had similar restrictions to the UK and other parts of the world that we weren't allowed to go and see our family at Christmas. And having in the previous year, 2019, um, experienced, uh, just in case any of my family members ever listened to this uh, podcast, let me just say, an interesting family, massive family Christmas. Um, I kind of thought, uh, uh, I'm really glad <laughs> this year that I don't, I have an excuse now, you know, that the government is telling me I'm not allowed to visit my family. So, uh, you know, some people are not missing out on visiting yeah. But most people, and even if it's not family, it's friends, we want to go and see people. I'm a huge sports fan, love live sports. We'd love to go back to the stadiums and so on. So some things are going to snap back very quickly. And we mustn't think that the whole world has changed everywhere forever. Yes. But there are some things that we can see even now are, are going to be shifted uh, forever. Um, the obvious example is, is the office and our relationship with the office. Even people who want to get back to the office, they're not enjoying working from home and so on. Mm -hmm. They are not going to go back to the office and experience it in the same way that they did before. Some of their colleagues won't be there. There will be more flexibility, but we will also realize we don't have to have as many face-to-face -face meetings. We don't have to visit all of our clients face-to-face. -face. We don't have to do what we used to do. So that's an easy and obvious example. But uh, Jane, let me, let me give you another one, which just happened a few weeks ago, which uh, just get, I hope will get people thinking. So Disney Plus, right? So Disney Plus is Disney's mm -hmm. online streaming platform. Mm -hmm. they had a strategic plan to focus more and more attention on online streaming uh, over the course of the 2020s. But in early January 2021, they made an announcement to say, we've done it now. We have shifted. Everything is now going online, is going streaming. So the entire Disney back catalog and everything that they produce in the future is going to be focused on streaming to homes, streaming yeah. To, to households and individuals. Now, of course, what that does is it cuts out the movie theaters, the cinemas, mm -hmm. 
Mm. Um, because they no longer get to show the movie before we can see it at home. Mm. And I think that's going to absolutely devastate the theaters because the theaters are 30 years out of date. It's a horrible experience, if you think about it, mm. to go to the average cinema. And in most countries, it's stupidly expensive. For the price of one movie ticket, you can get a whole month of streaming the entire catalog that Disney has available to you. And so there's an example of an industry that might have taken uh, a decade to slowly shift following Netflix's example, slowly shift online. Now suddenly it's, it's literally made the decision in six months and it will never go back again. And that's going to be a lasting legacy. Now we can go industry by industry around the world and realize this is happening and happened in many, many industries. And if you're not uh, realizing it, if, if you don't have your eyes open, if you're still too focused on COVID crisis response, mm -hmm. uh, you might save your business uh, and come out the other side of COVID largely intact and in two years from now be decimated because you didn't spot the change in your industry that came from digital transformation or geopolitical shifts or climate change or something else. So we really do need to get our heads around the fact that there is no normal to go back to. And that's not just a COVID statement. That's just a statement of historical reality of where we find ourselves in history. And yeah, strap in. The 2020s is going to be a hell of a <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I find it quite exciting in many ways, and I am an optimist, uh, which people keep telling me, but I think it's a good thing in these times. But, you know, the, the legal profession has very much gone online. Even trials have been happening online, arbitrations, mediations. As I mentioned to you, I've been mediating online. It's perfectly possible, and in some instances, even better than doing it face-to-face. Um, it's fascinating. And you and I as speakers, you know, we would often be uh, traveling. Uh, I, I know you have to, 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 to far flung destinations to stand on a stage. And now we we can do a lot of uh, a, a lot of that dissemination of our message through the Internet. Not the same, but we can still do it. And, and I had one instance where I reached a far larger audience. It would have possibly been 200 and it was 2000 online. So you know, I see great opportunities, Graham. No, well, that, that's exactly it. I've had a lot of clients in the last six or seven months that have uh, had to cancel their in-person conferences, uh, which is where I would normally spend time talking. Um, mm. I've then helped them to move into a virtual space, giving them a bit of confidence that it's possible and that we can do it. And as you say, they might have expected three or 400 people in person. And, and now they've got, you know, a thousand, thousand two hundred be, being able to log in online because nobody's traveling. You don't have to take a day out to come to the conference or spend money to, to travel. And so a lot more people are prepared to come. And in fact, for many of my clients, a lot more of the right people have come because yeah. in the past, they haven't been able to get the decision makers and the CEOs in the room. And, and people mustn't just skip past a very important thing you just said. Jane, you, you, you said you've done some mediations and that online. Mm -hmm. And not only were they possible, in some cases, they were better. Yeah. And that's what I think is going to be the, the, the diamonds that we can discover, mm -hmm. the gems that we can mm -hmm. look for in the midst of, of this craziness. 
is discover which things we want to go back to, which things were better the way they were, and there will be a few of those, mm -hmm. which things we can now do in a different way. And it doesn't really matter. It's kind of a 50-50. Do it this way, do it that way, doesn't really matter. But I think the real clever bit and the bits that are going to give people competitive advantage and improve our lives in two, three years time are those little bits where we might have just stumbled across a way during this COVID disruptor, uh, disruption time. We might have just discovered we can do it way better than we ever imagined. Um, and I think you can look across any industry um, from transportation to medicine, uh, and you will discover examples of that in every industry. And that's the bit that I hope my clients are able to uncover and then turn into competitive advantage. Brilliant, Graham. Uh, and, and, you know, the one thing I'm just thinking is the one thing I don't want to substitute is hugs with my friends and family. You know, that online doesn't really work for me, but everything else is uh, I'm, I'm open to. Well, that's where you and I differ just a little bit because I am an off-the-scale introvert who also has uh, kind of physical issues. Uh, I definitely, if I was younger, I'd be put on some kind of autism scale somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah. So I am hugely comforted by the fact that I can use it as an excuse for the rest of my life to never <laughs> hug or shake hands with any other human being again and I'm I'm very nice, I promise, but I'm much better at a distance. <laughs> well, I know you are very nice, Graham, but, uh, you know, we're, we're all different in that respect, aren't we? Well, exactly. <laughs> so where I want you to sort of wrap up with, Graham, and, and you mentioned leadership, is to think about um, two things. You know, what can each of us do to lead forward now uh, as individuals in, in terms of the kind of society or culture we need to create uh, from this crisis and then to think you know who are you looking at currently who are le who is leading us and I, I don't see that uh, political leaders are leading us so it, it, I'm kind of looking at who is leading us I, sure that's a that's a really great question and and I suppose I could answer very, very philosophically. Uh, let me give two answers. Let me give the philosophical answer and then a practical answer. I think that'll be most useful. The, the philosophical answer is I think we need to not rebuild, but reimagine. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm busy writing a, a book, uh, which hopefully will be released fairly soon. And that's the most likely title at this stage is don't just rebuild, reimagine. And it's really a mindset shift, not just for leaders, but especially for leaders to say, you know, don't just grit your teeth and try and get through to the end of this COVID disruption and then, you know, rebuild what was bruised and broken and get back to where you hope to be. Rather take the opportunity that we have of being forced to be disrupted, to have a look at where you can reset, reimagine, whatever words work, work best for you. But, but come out, the biggest danger we face right now is not the turbulence of the era that we live in. The biggest danger we face is, is facing tomorrow's world using yesterday's logic. Mm. And, and there's, it's a mindset shift to, to look for things that have never been before. And again, all the buzzwords float out of that innovation, creativity, and so on. Mm -hmm. But I think now more than ever, we need that. 
So the practical piece, obviously we could spend an hour now unpacking what do you actually do in order to do that. But I think the one thing, if I were to, uh, if you were to give me a magic wand and one wish for, for everybody in the world would be to embrace a, a culture of experimentation. And if we're talking to individuals, then let's call it a mindset of experimentation. Mm. It, this is like building a, a, a muscle. A lot of us have for, forgotten what gym feels like. So when we get back to gym, um, we're not going to be able to pick up the weights that we that we were used to. And you, you know, when you when you're starting to build your muscles, you've got to start small. You, you 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 develop your muscles, and then they grow in stamina and in strength. And innovation, and creativity, and experimentation is exactly the same. And what we need in aspects of our personal lives and certainly in all of our institutions and organizations is we need, because we live in such unprecedented and disrupted times, we can't just keep tweaking what we've always done. We, we need uh, to be changing. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that, I believe, is that if we all embrace this mindset of, well, let's try something let's give it a go. Let, let's try it for a little while, see what happens, learn from it, improve it as we go along, constant improvement, constant upgrading. All of this is, is, is part of what I mean by a mindset or a culture of experimentation. So that I would think would be one of the cleverest uh, things that a, a leader could do in their own lives and one of the cleverest things they could do uh, for their organizations and their teams. Brilliant. And, and then finally, Graham, you know, who, who do you look up to as leaders who are inspiring you? And I, I don't, again, I say I don't mean political leaders, but, you know, who is leading us in these times? It, it's a very difficult question to, to answer because I agree with you. I, I think the political leaders and, and even let me add into that the sort of celebrity CEO types, you know, the, mm -hmm. the people who want to be in the public eye all the time. Uh, they seem to me uh, at the moment to have proven that when everything's going right, when, when everything's, you know, when all the stars have aligned for them, and they would hate me using this word, but I think it is the right word, when luck is on their side, then they can, anybody can look good and they just happen to look quite good. Uh, you know, they, they, they seize the moment and they make the most of it. What you really need is, is you need to be tested. And, and I think you only really know if you're a good leader, if you can lead through difficult times, if you can lead through the unexpected moments. So for me, the people that are inspiring me, and, and often these are, are unknown people, unnamed people, or certainly not in our consciousness, but they, to, to be specific, they are the leaders of organizations, may or may not be the CEOs, but they are the leaders of organizations who turned around to those organizations early on during the COVID crisis and said to their people, we've got your back. You, nobody will lose their jobs. Um, in many organizations, they were told nobody will have a drop in salary except for the senior leaders because we get paid a lot and we can afford to reduce our salaries. But all of you, the people on the front line, um, you will not lose your jobs. You will not lose your, your income. Do, do you know the psychological, mental, emotional well-being that flooded into those staff members because they were given the security of their jobs and, and their livelihoods? 
and their, their contribution. Um, just I, 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 people will listen to this podcast in the future, but just as we are recording it, there, there was an announcement uh, from a UK company uh, today uh, that uh, they've got a whole lot of retail stores uh, around and they decided to pay all of their staff. This is mid-January 2021 to pay all of their staff an additional week of uh, as a bonus. Just there's no reason for it. It's not Christmas or anything. It's January, but they were announcing their results today and they realized that everybody put in such a huge effort. They're not going to declare a dividend to their shareholders. They're going to give with their shareholders permission all of that money that would have gone to dividends. They're going to give it as an as a extra week's bonus to every staff member. And I just, those are the heroes. Yeah. Um, and those companies, they deserve to be remembered and they deserve to be supported by us in the future. Yeah. Uh, because I think those are the companies that in the midst of difficulty and, and real hardship, I think made the right decisions to put their people first. Um, and I'm trying to get a list of those people uh, and a list of those companies and where I can to support them in the future. I, I think uh, they're inspiring to me. I think that would be great. I just posted today uh, um, a, a, a st the story about the Chilean miners, if you remember, and, their, and what got them out of that situation yes. was their leadership. And exactly. how, you know how he led them so you know another but exactly that kind of inspiring leader who puts themselves with their team not above their team is what what i think you're looking at there exactly exactly so what what would your final message be um graham what would your wrap-up words be for our listeners today uh expect more disruption <laughs> uh, <Yes>. <laughs> that's uh, depending on on when you listen to this episode we might still be in in the covid uh, crisis and yes. um, that's going to last longer than we expect at current rates of vaccination we might have everybody vaccinated by 2029 i think <laughs> oh, no. um, it's ridiculous um you know we'll have dealt with covid by by 2022 at, at the latest one way or another but then what's coming next you've got artificial intelligence and robotic automation and machine learning and cloud and mobility and all of the digital transformations of the fourth industrial revolution then you've got climate change and sustainability and we've got to deal with plastic pollution and uh, we've got to deal with depleting fish stocks in the sea and then um, Donald Trump no doubt will try and run for re-election in 2024 again or do something ridiculous or one of his children will um, but uh, you know let's let's not dump on the Trumps uh, because in every country <laughs> in the world um, you have got political upheaval at the moment we are going through a time in history when the rules for success and failure are being rewritten, when major systems are being disrupted, and we, we can see it in our economies, we can see it in our religions, we can see it in our societies and our communities, we can see it in our politics, it is everywhere. And uh, COVID is basically just exhibit A at the moment, but it isn't the, the, the only thing we need to be thinking about. Expect more disruption which then leads to, okay, so what? Well, what we've got to do is we've got to develop the skill set, the emotional fortitude, the psychological ability to deal with constant change, to deal with disruption as normal. And I think it's possible. 
I think we are perfectly capable of doing it as human beings. We are the most advanced and resilient species on, on, on planet Earth. No, maybe not the most resilient. I think cockroaches will outlast us. But um, we, we are resilient in the sense that we can put our minds to change yeah. and change ourselves. We, we don't just let change happen to us. We don't just allow evolution to take its course. We can take control of our own evolution and our own growth and development. And I think if we do that, we will find that we are better off and, and that we therefore deal with disruption better. Fabulous. So Graham, like me, I think you're an optimist and I certainly see uh, huge possibilities for, for the future. So where can people contact you, Graham, if they're interested to follow up uh, with you from this episode? Oh, thank you. So uh, probably the easiest place is to just go to my website, Graham Codrington. So uh, I assume people will be able to look at the episode title and get the spelling of my name right. It's the yes. Scottish spelling of Graham Codrington, um, just grahamcodrington.com. Uh, from there, you can track me down on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all the rest. I don't do TikTok. My uh, three daughters have forbidden me <laughs> trying TikToks, um, but uh, kind of everywhere else. Uh, and YouTube is a really great place to go. I, I put up short YouTube videos sort of every other day, actually, at the moment, oh, which just give people insight into what's changing, uh, latest updates on disruptive change, and then helpful tips and tricks on how to deal with it. So that's also a great place to go. Fantastic. Graham, Dr. Graham Codrington, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please do subscribe to the Barefoot Mediator podcast series. And if you would like to access my free video series for managing in times of change, challenge and crisis, and download a PDF copy of my book, How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom, please go to janegun.co.uk slash video. The link is in the show notes. <laughs>